The church, what are we? Throughout the word, the Bible makes metaphorical statements of this is what the church is. Uh, we look at bride of Christ. We looked at that about three weeks ago. What are we? We are the bride of Christ. What does this do? It explains our, a picture of our relationship that we have with God. A metaphorical statement is a statement that paints a picture with words. This is what you look like. Well, you understand what a bride looks like. You understand what a groom looks like. You understand what kind of relationship they should have because it's in Scripture. Well, when Paul refers to the church, you are the bride of Christ. And John refers to the church in Revelation, you are the bride of Christ. He's explaining this is what your relationship with God looks like. We also talked about that you are a new humanity. Looking in Ephesians chapter 2, it's a picture of our culture, what we should look like. We are God's field, a picture of God's method on how he wants to grow his kingdom. So when God makes a, method, uh, makes a statement or the Bible makes statements that um, uh, this is what we are, they come full of meaning, full of understanding, and we should probably try to seek and see what they do mean, see what they do understand, try to come and understand what they are. So today we're looking at we are the family of God. This is a picture of our position. We are the family of God. What does that mean? Well, we know what a family means. This last week I went through photo albums. Actually, I went through my phone, and I picked out a whole bunch of pictures um, of my family. And I said, well, what do you do as a family? What does a family look like? So uh, I put all these pictures on uh, the screen, and I just kind of go through these pictures looking at, well, this is what a family does. What does a family do? Family spends time together. This is us in the Deschutes Canyon, the family share with each other. You know, when your children are young, you take a piece of licorice, they always got to jump in your lap and eat the other side of the licorice. That's what families do together. Families laugh together. Families learn from each other. This is my nine-year-old daughter. First time she rafted Buckskin Mary, and my five-year-old daughter is hanging on to her mother for dear life. I'll never forget this situation, but yeah, we learn from each other. We have adventures together. Families go on missions together. Here we are in Africa, and in the middle you'll notice a goat. A goat's name is Oregon. And uh, Pastor Ben um, named him. I said, how, how come he's called Oregon? He says, well, that's where you're from. I said, no, we're from Oregon. And he goes, that's what I said, Oregon. <laughs> Doesn't really make a difference now. They ate uh, Oregon for Christmas last year, so he's no longer a part of our family. Families go on missions together. Families rest on each other. Families do what? Have fun together. Families celebrate each other. Families go through difficult situations together. I got in trouble for this one, and believe it or not, I was probably in trouble by my dog more than anybody else. He's in there. You can't really see him, but he was not very happy with me, mostly after that trip. Families carry each other, carry each other through life. Families lean on each other. Families climb through mountains and go through valleys together. Families suffer together. Families honor each other. Families mourn together. This is my mother. My dad passed away in 2015, and this is a burial process there. Families love each other. So when you use the words, we are the family of God, we can ask the question, what does that mean? Well, we know what it means to be a family here on this earth. Um, even if we grew up in a family that was not loving, that was not connected, that was dysfunctional, we still know what it means to be a family. 
Is there any similarities whatsoever when God says, you are the family of God? Is there any similarities to our families, how our families function? My answer would be, absolutely. These metaphorical statements are given to us so we can understand God, understand how he works, understand our relationship with him, and understand how he functions. So when he uses the word, you are the family of God, I understand the family here, and he talks in the same context, we are a family of God, there's going to be some, a lot of resemblances, multiple resemblances. We're going to look at only one verse this morning, and it is on your bulletin. The whole verse is written out, and the reason why it's on your bulletin is because the words on it are so rich, and that's why we're going to spend the next 25 minutes discussing almost each word that is there. Word in Ephesians chapter 2 Here Jesus is explaining his family. God is explaining his family. For through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So let's look at uh, um, what this verse is saying. And through the verse, we're going to try to figure out what does it mean to be in God's family and what should we do about it is what we're going to look at. Number two, we have access to the Father. This is what it means to be in God's family is we have access to the Father. What does that mean? You know, I remember when I was, my daughters were young, I used to just lay on the couch and for some wild reason, they felt like they had the freedom to just jump up on my lap and cuddle underneath my arms, and they act like it was their spot. You know why? Because it was their spot. This is how Dad responded to it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being close. Now my daughters are teenagers, and, and uh, my oldest daughter came and jumped on my lap just the other day. And uh, it's like, well, this is a little bit different, but we're sitting in a chair. This has worked great. But there's an excitement that she has a freedom to do that. Dad, I am connected with you. But how many people in this world have that freedom to jump on my lap? How many people in this world have that freedom to curl up in my arms? Well, I can count them on one hand. So in other words, if you came up and you jumped in my lap, (laughs) I'd start asking some questions. Okay, okay, personal space, personal space, personal space. But when it comes to family, there's that freedom that takes place there. And the personal space is is gone um, in regards to that. So when we look at um, the Word of God, we read His attributes. Attributes such as omnipotent, omnipresent, impeccable, impassibility, incomprehensible, sovereign, holy. These attributes are so large, so extreme, so big, but they are not all of God's attributes. Attributes such as love, Attributes of graciousness. God has attributes of mercy, goodness, faithfulness, jealousy, righteous, just. Those are attributes of everybody's dream for a father. They are attributes for everybody's dream for a father. So when the verse says that I am your father and you have access to me, and his attributes are very consistent with what we're starving in a father, there is a large statement of our closeness with him and our connection with him. Ephesians 2.18, for through Jesus, we both have access to the Father. 
Now, there's many religions in this world, I mean, 3,000 altogether, and every, not every religion, but most of the religions, the majority of religions, believe that we have access to the Creator that had created this planet. But the access to the Creator comes in different forms. Sometimes it comes in the form of, you are the servant of the Creator of this planet. It comes in the form, you can be a citizen of God. You can also be a follower of of God, the creator of this planet. You can also be a student of God. You can be a slave of God. So every religion that is out there that says you can get connected with the creator kind of gives us stipulations of our relationship with him. Many religions reject this radical statement. God is your father. Many religions reject that radical statement. Says, no, 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 not that. That's too close. That's too intimate. According to this verse, we have access to God. And I want to challenge you that if you think in your mind that he is father, it would change everything about your approach to him. If you look at him as servant, you approach him completely different. If you look at him as slave, you approach him completely different. If you look at him as master, you approach him completely different than you'd approach him as father want to prove that a little bit, a little bit. A slave. How does a slave work with his master? When slaves perform, they feel like they're worthwhile people. If God is the master and we are his slaves, when we do really well, what happens to us? Pride builds inside of us and say, you know, I am close to my master. I am impressive to my master. My master has a relationship with me in regards to what I'm doing. So if we approach God as I'm slave, he's master, when we do good, we feel like worthwhile. On the contrary, when we do poorly, what do we feel like? We feel like failures. We feel like God doesn't want anything to do with us. We feel like, why would God want to touch me? You see that relationship between master and slave is completely different than father and son. How is it completely different? Because when um, you do something wrong, with your dad, you're not rejected. Your dad still loves you. Your dad pursues you. Your father takes you and tries to get you through it and survive through it and learn from it, but you're not rejected, so you never get that feeling. But when you do something good, you know that he still loves you, and he doesn't love you just because you've done something good. He loves you because you are what? His son, his daughter. There's a love there that is different, strong. It's not off of our performance whatsoever. It is off of the relationship we have as father and son. We understand that. Because many of us are fathers. Many of us are mothers in that process. We understand those dynamics and how it works. Number three, this access comes through the son. Went to Israel a couple years ago. and I went to Israel, we went to Hebron. And we needed to go through some Palestinian land to get to the site of Abraham's burial. And um, the Palestinians did not like Israelis, Israel really troops there. And they did not necessarily like us there as well because they believed that it was their land. Um, but Israel people that were guiding us said, well, don't worry. We're going to take care of you. We're just going to walk through because this is our land and we hold on to it. So we walked through and when we got out of the bus, which is a different bus we had. It was a bomb-proof bus. There's a metal underneath it that if a bomb blew up, we'd still be safe. We walked out of the bus, and we got out of the bus, and there was soldiers there to greet us. 
And these soldiers were fully armed, fully equipped with machine guns. And they said, oh, let's walk to Abraham's burial. So what do we do? We walk through Palestinian land, through Abraham's burial, and with all these soldiers with machine guns. Now, I I felt safe. (laughs) I wonder why they're there, but I felt safe. But what if they weren't there? I'd have a different feeling. I wouldn't understand the risk, but uh, probably would not be a good situation for me to be in, to walk there by myself. But as we walked there, yes, we saw it, and then we walked back, and everything was good. When we talk about God as omnipotent, omnipresent, God as holy, God as just, God as the King of kings, God as the Lord of lords, there is a beauty, a magnificence, uh, uh, an extreme weight of who God is. By that extreme weight, that extreme magnificent, you do not want to go there alone. You want somebody next to you that knows him, that walks with him, that understands him. And who's that person that's next to you? The person is Jesus Christ. You're not going there to treat him as dad because you deserve to be treated like son. You deserve to be treated like daughter. You are going there to meet my father because of what I have done for you. It is like being escorted with people that are alongside you, getting you to a spot. But there's no fear being escorted to your father. There's no fear going into your father's arms. There's no fear being treating God as father only because we have access through Jesus Christ, who came, died, and rose in our stead. Ephesians 2, 18 through 19. For through Jesus, we both have access to the Father. The only reason I can get into the Father's laps, the only reason I can get underneath the shelter of his wings, the only reason that I can even be comforted by God and treat him as Father is because Christ has given us complete access to him. It's not because of what we've done. It's because of what Christ has done. And then we see a prayer that takes place in John 15 that says, Jesus praying, Father, love them just like you love me. Take him as father because of what I have done. The only reason we can do that is because of what Jesus has done. Number four, this access comes by the Spirit. When we look at the Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do we see him as? We see him as a comforter. We see him as a convictor. We see him as um, God who ignites faith, as a guide, as a counselor, one who leads. When we look at the fruit of the spirits that are well up inside of us, we see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a lot of energy and there's a lot of emotion whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? This access comes by the Holy Spirit. What's taking place? The relationship that you have with the Father comes alive by the Spirit. It says, the Word will sanctify them in truth. My Word is truth. The richness of the relationship we have with God as Father is moved and comes alive, and the understanding of that relationship is through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, for through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. What do you have in that verse? Theologians, you have the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons in a perfect, unified community. And then you hear the word access. We have access inside of that community. 
of God. The verse continues to get better. Number five, we finally have a home. This verse explains that this is what the family looks like. You have a home. Did you know that cats and dogs often find their ways back across wide stretches of unknown country? If you lose a cat, you lose a dog, they will travel back with instinct to their location and their homes. Did you know that pigeons fly direct to their homes hundreds of miles away? Did you know that seabirds travel thousands of miles away from their homes in the summer? Then after winter, they travel thousands of miles back to the exact location. We're talking thousands of miles, but these seabirds understand exactly where their home is. It's inside their instinct. Did you know that salmon return to spawn in the rivers of their birth? Do you remember when you were born? Do you remember what was going on? Do you remember what the weather was like outside? What do you remember when you were born? I don't remember anything when I was born. But there's an instinct that is inside of the salmon that draws them right back to their home. Deep in the heart of every person, there's an animal instinct that desires to be in the comfort of the home. A comfort of the home that you long for. But in this, we know that this is not our home. Why? Because there's one day I'll be leaving this world alone and naked by myself. Therefore, I'd be leaving this home, yet my heart longs to be in a home. What is your heart longing for? Your heart is longing for that internal home that we were made for. We're longing to be at home. What's at home? father, a mother, brothers, sisters. This is the home that we are longing for. Ephesians 2, this is what we're longing for. For through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens. What's he saying? He's saying we have a spot. You have a connection. Everything that's deep inside of your soul that is longing for a home, longing for love, longing for connection, longing for community, longing for a family is going to be there inside of the Trinity, inside of God. Number six, our home is filled with brothers and sisters as we are members of God's households. In Acts, you see the gospel message preached and 3,000 people become saved. Peter is the one that preached the message, and his message had three points. Jesus is God, Jesus died, Jesus rose. The reaction to that message was, well, what do we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. But then Peter goes on that if you repent and be baptized, you're going to get some things. You're going to get four amazing things. If you look at Jesus is God, Jesus has died, Jesus rose, I believe it, I repent and I'm baptized, you're going to get four things. What are those four things you're going to get? Peter says in Acts 2, you're going to get the forgiveness of sins. Number two, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. This is a gift you're going to get. Number three, you're going to get the church. This is a gift. And number four, you're going to get a new mission. All this is found in Acts 2. But the four gifts, do you see what one of the gifts are? You're going to get each other. You're going to get the church. You're going to get community to walk on this earth with, with as you're walking towards the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are going to be God's family, in God's family, with God's people, God's brothers, and God's sisters, God's children. And we're all going to be connected together. Let's finish the verse. For through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. 
Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens. You have a home, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. This is what it means to be in the family of God. We understand that because we understand Father and we understand access. We also understand how we can be a part of God's family. And by looking at the Holy Spirit, we understand the life that is in God's family. Everything that is inside of us has now found where we are and where we need to be. The home inside of us has now been opened, and we understand it. And then God has granted us people to share this home with. This is what the family of God looks like. But we should ask the question, what are you going to do about it? What should I do about it if this is what the home looks like? Let's look at the last four points. Number one is you should be adopted into God's family by believing in Jesus. God is either your father or he is your judge. God is either, you're either going to approach God with Jesus or you're going to approach God without Jesus. When you approach him with Jesus, you're approaching him as your father. You see the peace when you die? I'm walking into the arms of my father because what Christ has done. I'm not walking into the arms of a judge. I'm walking into the arms of a God that looks at me as son, that looks at me as daughter, not because of me, but because I have access through Jesus Christ. So first thing, if you want to be part of God's family, the only way to be a part of it is to be adopted into God's family by believing that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and God can only be your Father by believing in him. Next thing, we should rejoice in the fact that you have a perfect Father. My wife and I and um, some other people were working with a family that was homeless. They had three kids, and, and then they had the parents, and they lived in their car. They were living at Kmart, where Winco is now, and uh, we were trying to find them a home to, to, um, to rent, but they did not have enough money at the time. Uh, so in the process of getting them home, we, the three kids uh, went to different houses to sleep. And every time one of the children, that was the boy, went to a house to sleep, he would get up in the middle of the night, he would sneak out of the house, no matter how long it was, and he would run down to the street where Kmart is and climb in the car where his parents were. They took him to another home. He would get out. He would sneak out of the home. He would run. People that were watching him were like, what's going on? What's taking place? He'd run clear across the street, one mile away, two miles away. It didn't matter. And he wanted to be exactly where the home was. And that home was in the car. But there was a longing for him to be by his father. There was a longing for him to be by his mother. No matter where it was, that longing is there that is drawing us to what? that has drawn us to the ultimate Father, which is God. But inside of God being the ultimate Father, there's something that's cool about it, is He is completely functional, completely perfect, completely just, completely loving, always take you directly into His arms whenever we go to Him. Rejoice in the fact that we do have a Father, no matter how we were raised, in our bearing, if we had a Father growing up or not, we can rejoice in the fact that we have a perfect Father, and that perfect Father is God. Number nine, we should rejoice in the fact that we have a functional home. Many of us have grown up in homes where our homes were not necessarily um, functional. 
We did not have a father who was there. We might have had a father who was absent. But even if we do have a father that was absent, we all know and understand what a functional home looks like because we dream about it. We desire it. We understand what it looks like. Well, here's our functional home. A father that loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son so you could be his child. And when Jesus left this earth, he says, I will give you the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, to be connected with this family unit. You talk about functional. Each one is pointing to the other in a triune God that is drawing us to himself inside of this home. Every one of them is laying down their lives for what? For us. Completely functional. Number 10, rejoice in the fact that our home is filled with brothers and sisters to be with, walk with, and work with. Looking at family life, families spend time together, families share with each other, families laugh together, families learn from each other, they go on mission together, they rest on each other, they have fun together, they celebrate each other, go through difficult situations and carry each other's burden through life. They lean on each other, climb mountains, go through valleys, they suffer together, honor each other, mourn together, love each other. This is what families do. And this is what families should be doing inside of God's family, which is the church. This is who we are together. One of the greatest gifts that God's given us is each other. As we walk through life, we're not alone. As we walk through life, yes, we have a father, but we also have brothers and we have sisters to make it through life with. God is not a father who is in heaven that is completely absent, that is absent. God is a father that has displayed his love for us. And one of the greatest pieces of love that he has displayed as a father is he's given us brothers and sisters to share life with and motivate each other with to lean on him as father. So therefore, we can ask the question, rejoice that we have God as father. Rejoice that we have Jesus who brought us to the father. Rejoice that we have the Holy Spirit that has made the relationship come alive and come rich. And then also rejoice that we have each other because we're not, not walking through life alone. Father, we just thank you for the gift of family, family that we have here on earth. And uh, God, that is a blessing. But God, the ultimate blessing is the family that we have with you. A family with you being the head, you being the father, you being the master, you being the king. And God, the gift of um, each other as brothers and sisters. God, we just pray, God, that we'll take full advantage of this um, family, God, that you have granted us, this family you've given us, and uh, live in harmony, God, with you, but also live in harmony and peace and strength with each other. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.